1: I'm Rod Serling. You're listening
2: to the Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Tony Hillerman's haunting tour of terror. The Blessing Way. Starring Ed Nelson, Barbara Anderson, and Tige Andrews in Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour.
3: Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by
4: Metropolitan Life Insurance Company and the Ford Motor Company. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio.
2: Dr. Bergen McKee has seen the bodies of two murdered men. seen the expression of utter terror frozen on their still faces. Two men, one a young Navajo running from the law, the other a university professor like himself. And he has met the murderer. In fact, at this moment Dr. Bergen McKee is being held captive by the one who buried those two men alive. And he's not alone. Miss Ellen Leon is with him. And that's the rub. McKee is a man betrayed by a woman. He's been asked to write a letter explaining the disappearance of three people, one he knows is already dead. Dr. Bergen McKee must bargain for time, because that letter, if written, will surely be his epitaph. The conclusion of this week's story, The Blessing Way, follows after this word.
5: Hi, I'm Pinocchio, the big nose and all that, you know. But seriously, lots of kids don't know about me. How can kids read if they don't have any books? And millions of kids, black, white, red, yellow, brown, all races, live in homes without any books. Getting books into the hands of these girls and boys is what the national program, WIF, Reading is Fundamental, is all about. Here's what WIF has found out. When kids choose the books they want because the subjects interest them and they own the book, that makes reading fun. And when reading is fun, it's just fundamental. Books widen the kid's world and their abilities and their whole life. Every community needs RIF. Find out what you and RIF can do in your community. Just write RIF. Smithsonian Institution, Washington D.C. 20560. That's RIF. R-I-F. Smithsonian Institution, Washington D.C. 20560. Right now. If America's to go up thinking, reading is fundamental. <laughs>
6: I work furiously racing the light of day There was no sound from outside So we had to be especially quiet In our work Finally we'd cleared away enough rock So that there was a hole large enough to squeeze through
0: Where do you think it goes? I
6: don't know The Hopis are smart people My guess is since we're on a side cliff It leads up, it's better
0: What if Eddie's
5: out there?
6: Uh, Chances are he is, but down below Now you wait here, I just want to see if there's a way out Be right back I crawled through the hole and found myself in another smaller room... ...leading out to a shelf that gradually narrowed to a mere ledge. I couldn't risk crawling and knocking off a loose rock. I had to do it standing up. Staying as close to the sandstone wall as I could, I inched my way out. It was almost full dawn now. Sunlight, ready to burst, quivered just below the horizon... Uh, Still lucky, I guess. Just on the other side of the tree was a fault running from the canyon floor 50 feet below me. Clear up to the top, about another 150 feet. A chimney, a way out. Then I heard Eddie looking through the dead tree. I could see him. He was packing up the gear in camp. I calculated it to be about a 100 feet back to where Ellen was. A third of the distance, I'd be out in the open. A sitting duck. Miraculously, I made it. Burke and I was so worried. Eddie's out there. I heard him whistling. Yeah, I found a way out, but it's no good. He can see me. Eddie, Eddie would kill you. Right. Unless... Unless I can kill him first. I didn't really have a plan. There wasn't time for that. The big Navajo would be back soon, and that would be the end. So, off the top of my head, I quickly devised a scheme that stood a remote chance of working and presented the least danger to Ellen Leon. I'd go back out on the ledge, just to the point where I'd still be hidden. Ellen would then get Eddie's attention by throwing a rock out of the roof hole. In that moment of confusion, I'd dash across to the juniper and hide somewhere back in the crevasse, created by the fault. How can you hope to defend yourself against his gun?, now, let me worry about that. Just remember, don't give him any reason as you do. Don't scream or or try to stop him from coming after me. I want him to but why We've got the edge, remember fear and believe me, I'm scared out of my mind. <laughs> Ellen was to wait approximately fifteen minutes, then heave the stone. Once Eddie had been summoned, he'd have to set up the ladder. Hopefully, by the time he reached Ellen, I'd have found a suitable place to hide. She would tell him that I'd gone for the police, and she would supply him with accurate directions as to my escape route. Up to a point, everything worked perfectly. I was ready in my ambush when the sound of raised voices split the air.
7: I said you go first. I ain't never shot no
2: woman before. But I ain't got no cold saying I
7: won't.
5: Take your hands off of me.
6: Dr. McKee is gone. You'll never find him. He left an hour ago in that direction.
2: Come
6: on, move it. No. Bergen, run! Run! A single gunshot reverberated throughout the canyon and a swarm of ravens exploded from a distant cliff. There was a sinking in the pit of my stomach. Helen was dead. I would be next. I studied my position in the dark cul-de-sac, huddled behind a pinyon tree, between the wall and the crevasse. There were two ways Eddie would come looking for me. If he believed, Ellen, he would approach from around the dead juniper, at which point I would have a split-second advantage. But my only defense would be a rock. I could throw it at him before he saw me, but my aim would have to be perfect. And what would I aim for? His head or the gun? If Eddie were cautious, he'd come from the other side, and I'd be too far from him to do anything at all. Then I realized that I was standing behind a weapon, a opinion tree. I tore the sleeve off my shirt, wrapped it twice around one branch. There was that quick pull, if only it wouldn't snap. And my hand throbbed violently. McKee, I had to shoot your woman. Killing you's gonna cost me
7: thirty thousand dollars. Don't make me do it.
6: Then he was on the ledge. I had the branch secured, my pocket knife poised. I could see his left shoulder. And part of his back, he had to take one step more. He did, and he saw me.
4: Hello, this is Hugh Downs. Recently, I took part in a Ford LTD fuel economy test with two professional drivers and two housewives. Our individual averages ranged from 16.3 to 20.3 miles per gallon. I averaged 19.7 which underlines one fact about mileage. Cars or drivers are never exactly alike. Driving under controlled conditions on regular gas with standard 351 V8 engines, we traveled from Phoenix to Los Angeles, never exceeding 50 miles an hour. The test was conducted by General Environments Corporation, who have filed a report verifying the results. Of course, mileage depends on driving habits, road and driving conditions, total weight, and maintenance, and you may not get the same results. But if I had an advantage, it was probably that I followed the same driving tips you can get from your Ford dealer. Lots of Americans still need and want a solid, well-made family car. And driving reasonably is
3: one way you can be sure of
4: getting the most
3: a Ford LTD has to offer. The quiet riding Ford. The closer you look, the better we look. We'll return to our story in a moment. Charlotte,
5: I'm All right. home. The supper's not ready, Chester.
3: Should I go back to the office?
5: No, stay.
3: Hmm. Well, what are we having? I'm
5: the casserole.
3: Ch- We had tuna casserole last week.
5: It's the same one. There was some left over.
3: Uh, I'm not hungry.
5: You said we have to start watching our pennies.
3: I would rather starve than eat tuna casserole again. Well,
5: when we got married, you said you loved tuna casserole.
3: Before you get married, you love everything.
5: I'll put it on a different plate. Maybe it'll
3: taste different. Charlotte, you know I hate tuna casserole.
5: Well, close your eyes and pretend it's steak.
3: Sure. Why don't I close my eyes and pretend I'm a retired millionaire and you're the galloping gourmet? Gourmet. Social Security can't help Charlotte's cooking, but it can help Chester's retirement plans. Today, nearly 17 million retired workers and their dependents are getting Social Security retirement benefits. And for nearly every 165 or over, Medicare benefits are available to help pay hospital and doctor bills. For more information, call your nearest Social Security office. his reflexive leap had
6: carried him off the ledge into the crevasse. I looked down at him. He was caught in an awkward jackknife sitting position between the rocks. He was bleeding from the nose, mouth, and ears. His pistol lay on a shelf about halfway down. There was no chance I could reach either. I... I
7: I fell off. (sighs) I was going to draw $45,000 Fifteen when they were finished. And thirty if nobody knew about it a year from now. <laughs> I got no feeling in my arms. Eddie. Eddie, who's girly? What are you people doing in here? George was getting more because he made the contract. Eddie, where's George coming back? George works out of Los Angeles. He'll kill you and your woman. <laughs> the... Then he'll go away Didn't you kill
6: her? Eddie! Ellen had taken one bullet It had cut through her cheek Deflected past the jawbone Struck the top of her shoulder And tore out through the back of her shirt But she was still breathing I climbed down the ladder And returned with gauze and disinfectant I managed her wounds and carefully moved her to the adjacent smaller room Then filled in the hole I'd made to escape Hopefully, George wouldn't find her when he returned I had to get help or she'd bleed to death Standing over her I found that Hannah was crying She moved slightly Perkin? My very still alone I'm going to climb out and get help
5: Perkin? Be careful.
6: It was a struggle up the fissure of the cliff. Each precious second counted. Held on the air was everything that mattered. The sun was almost directly overhead. When I found the wires, the two cables heavily insulated with gray rubber, almost invisible on the rocky ground. They ran in two directions. I was somewhere in the middle. I would have to guess which end led where. One would be connected to some sort of electrical gadget. The other might lead me to someone who could help Ellen's fiancé, Dr. Jimmy W. Hall. I headed northwest along a branch canyon. At the rim, the cable looped downward, disappearing under the brush. The canyon was much shallower than many ruins. Down below, in the canyon, someone was hammering. Then I, I saw the dock. A green van, barely visible. I, I felt the pain before I heard the shot. Something I was on the ground. Gasping for breath, I had fallen and rolled into a clump of bushes. The sound of a two-cycle engine was coming from below probably a generator. Doc, Dr. Hall wouldn't have heard the shot above the voice. I looked down at my right shoulder and saw my own blood flowing from the wound. Then I heard him up above. On the rim, I knew who it was even before I saw the black felt hat with the silver band. I dragged myself behind, fallen under the rose of pine, where it was cool and dark in the shadow. And just behind me were two saplings. I pulled myself up by a slack cable. The whole right side of my body was numb. The double um, had circled below me. He was stalking me again, taking no chances. He knew I'd been hit. My blood was all over the rocks. I remembered what he had said yesterday. Nobody gets away. I whittled her name with my pocket knife, shaping a branch into a lance. I had already stripped a section of rubber from the cable and tied it between two saplings, forming a catapult.
8: Well, Bergen, we meet again you'll hold still, or I'll make it as painless as...
6: The sheriff struck him low in the chest and carried him ten feet backwards. I crawled out of the thicket to where the big hoe had fallen. His mouth was wide open and his eyes were glazed with a look of Death. I picked up the wolf skin and the rifle. It wasn't the same weapon he had before. It seemed incredibly heavy. I stumbled toward the sound of the generator. Put down the rifle. In the corner of my eye I saw the red baseball cap. The Indian boy was standing behind a clump of willows beside his horse, the reins Dragon. He held a short barrel of rifle in his hands. It was it was pointed directly at my head. Things look bad, they can be. We're helping 40 million people. 40 million people. Know the future is now. I'm to walk this
3: life. We have a glad future. Because the future is now. The future will be here in a moment. Don't let it take you by surprise. At Metropolitan Life, we've spent over a century helping people prepare for the future. And Metropolitan can do the same for you. At Metropolitan Life, we help to plan your future because the future is now. The Zero Hour continues after this. Miss Judy Collins.
6: Oh, beautiful for spacious skies. For amber waves of grain For
7: purple mountains majesty
8: cigarette or one hot coal from a campfire and america the beautiful is america
6: the ugly use your head it's all we've got to prevent forest fires
3: where's the other witch well, he's dead i killed him
6: this is his witch skin look I, i'm not a witch I'm one who teaches in school. Please, there, there's a green truck down there. You must let me get to that truck. The man there will help me.
7: All right. You walk, I will follow.
6: The van was parked in a thicket just off the canyon floor. Beside it, a generator was running. Suddenly, a man appeared in the doorway of the van. My vision was blurred, but I could see he was blonde and wore a denim jacket. What the hell happened to you? Got shot. Who are you? How'd you get here? Don't talk. Listen, are you Jim Hall? how do you know that? Tell this boy here. I'm not a witch. What? Ellen Leon's been shot. She's up at that big cliff dwelling in the canyon. Did, did you say Ellen Leon? man shot her. Needs help. Who shot her? man named Eddie. He fell... What happened to Eddie? Tell me, where's Eddie? Was there a
8: man with him? Where's the man who was with him? Answer me, damn you! You must help Ellen. She's
4: dying. You were right, boy. This man is an Navajo wolf. Give me your rifle.
8: Put the rifle in the truck, then. We'll tie him up and go find the police. Hand me the
3: rifle and I'll put it in the truck. Oh, Jack.
8: Don't give him the rifle. That's right, Billy. Don't give it to him. Joe, The party's over, Mr. Hall.
6: I was aware first of the vague, sick smell of ether. Then the feel of hospital sheets that cast on my chest and the splint bandaged tightly on my right hand. The wound was dark... I saw the silhouette of a man standing by the drawn shades. From the slight paunch, I knew it was Joe Lee Bergen? Did you find her?
8: Sure. We found her before we found you. Uh, Where's she? She's right down the hall. Broke her cheekbone and shoulder, lost some blood. Uh, will, will she be all right? Oh, she heals faster than you. You've been in here two days. You've got more Navajo blood in you now than I do. Doc said you had a busted oil pan. Took ten gallons.
6: Yeah. Does she know about her boyfriend?
8: Yep. I told her everything. She was more concerned about you. Hall's dead, you know. Huh? Walked right away from me into the truck. Locked himself in and shot himself. Walked right in with me standing there. He must have been crazy. Crazy to get rich. You call it ambition. Sometimes we call it witchcraft. You remember the origin myth when First Woman sent the heron diving back into the fourth world to get the witchcraft bundle? She told him to swim down and bring back the way to make money.
6: Yeah, knock off the
8: philosophy, Joe. But what took you so long to find us? You can thank Billy Nez for finding you at all. Billy Nez? Horseman's brother? The kid with the red baseball cap. That was
6: Billy Nez?
8: Well, did he find Ellen, too? I've noticed this before. Bella County women are smarter than you Bella County men. Miss Leon got a hold of some kerosene and made herself a smoky little fire. You could see it for miles. Why didn't you think of something simple
6: like that? Climbing up that fault was showing off. Yeah, how was I supposed to know you'd be wandering around out there? I thought the cavalry was supposed to arrive in the nick of time, not the Indians. Joe, I guess you know I... I killed those two men. Not officially, you didn't. Officially,
8: Dr. Canfield and Jim Hall were killed in a truck accident. Miss Leon and you were hurt in the crash. And officially, Eddie Gill and George Johnson never existed. Oh, what was
6: what was going on in there anyway? What was Hall doing? It's a secret. Like hell, it's a secret. If you want me to tell some phony story about Canfield getting killed in a truck wreck, you don't have secrets. I'm
8: not supposed to know myself. Know what? Did you notice that Hall had portable radar sets all over the plateau? Well, I noticed the wires. In fact, they
6: probably saved my life.
8: Hall was set up directly under what the military calls its bird path. When the birds flew over from the Paul Range on their way to White Sands, Hall's radar was feeding information into a computer right out than the van. Hall was putting it onto tapes. Yeah, but how did Hall get mixed up with the other two? A common interest. Money. They all work for the same organization. Who? What
6: organization?
8: One that's always interested in money. They're too big to fool with. George Johnson was a known associate. The FBI knew him as George Thomas, Amos Raven, and the Big Raven, too. (laughs) A relocation Indian. California Navajo. I knew he was a stranger. I heard
6: him talking about the litany of were-animals. He had it all wrong, or at least it was another expert's opinion, not mine. (laughs) Well, that's what had me hung up. I kept expecting
8: him to act like a Navajo, but he was acting like a white man. Well, thanks a lot. If he was a Navajo, no matter what he was doing in there, killing horsemen would have screwed it up for him. You put it together, a lot of money and a killing, it's not natural, and it's not
6: Navajo. Why did he kill horsemen? (sighs)
2: Ah,
6: hey, come on, Joe. It's all part of the same truck accident.
8: Well, Johnson was working on clearing an access road so they could get to the radar sets more easily. While he was busy, somebody sneaked down to the truck and stole Johnson's hat. Why? I mean, you were wondering about that. Sam George Takes told me the Nez family was preparing an enemy way. Well, they needed the scalp from the wolf for the ceremony.
6: And Johnson's hat? Billy Nez took it. Huh. Boy, he really gets around.
8: Then from what I said at Shoemaker's about Horseman.
6: Yeah, I understand, Joe. But what I don't understand is why Johnson wanted me to write that letter. I know they didn't want anybody coming in there looking for us, but they were finished. What difference would it make if we were dead or alive? Uh, Think about it. If you have a bunch of computer
8: tapes giving the exact performance of the other guy's ballistic missile system, it's worth a bunch of money. But it's worth a lot more if the other side doesn't suspect you've got it, right?
6: Because if he suspects, he changes the system,
8: right? Well, that about does it, my friend. Oh, this is for you. Okay, you letter. Hey, who opened it? I did. It's uh, from Miss Leon. Oh, why did you open it? Emma wanted to know how many were coming to dinner on Sunday. I'll tell her
3: to set the table for four. <laughs> You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. Here's a tip from your Better Business Bureau.
7: If you have school-aged children, it won't be long until they'll be bringing home an order blank for the class or school annual picture. And if you've noticed, you normally pay in advance. The little tyke insisting that he or she must have the money for the teacher the next day. But do you really know what you're getting for the money? Better read the fine print. That form you sign may commit you to buy several color blow-ups at many times more than what you actually gave Johnny to take to school. Unfortunately, some photographers take advantage of this annual ritual to trap proud mothers into spending a lot more than they intend to. If you don't know what you're getting, call the school and ask them who to contact. If they don't know, then write a note to the teacher explaining that you insist on knowing what you're buying before you sign a contract, and that's the way to teach your children. Remember, if you want portraits made, consider also the services of a good professional photographer in town. Your American
8: Cancer Society presents Peter Falk and Lee Grant in The Regular Checkup. Let's begin your checkup with an update of your medical history. Uh,
5: before we do that, I've been trying to get my husband in for a checkup. Maybe if I list all the simple tests you give, you'll come. Uh, you know, not counting the lady things.
8: <laughs> I see. Well, we'll check blood pressure, take x-rays, urine analysis, blood tests, procto, electrocardiogram. Then there's neck and abdominal palpation.
1: That's checking the neck
5: and stomach with your fingers.
8: You've been watching Marcus Welby? I,
5: I heard that on a sofa.
8: Upper. <laughs> I see. Next, there's the photoscopic test. The ears, right? That's terrific. I, I pick up a, a lot of Dr. stuff on TV. You certainly do. <laughs> so let's get your husband in. He's afraid you'll find he's in perfect health and he
5: won't be able to complain. <laughs>
8: I see. <laughs> help your doctor help you with an annual checkup, help your American
2: Cancer Society with a generous check. We want to wipe out cancer in your lifetime. Tony Hillerman's The Blessing Way. Next week, we'll begin another exciting dramatization of a tale of mystery and suspense. We'll tell our story in five days, at the same time, Monday through Friday. So on Monday, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour. Today's episode brought to you in part by Metropolitan Life Insurance Company and Ford Motor Company.
4: This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio.
3: been listening to the zero hour a presentation of the mutual broadcasting system in association with hollywood radio theater heard every weekday at this time rod serling is your host zero hour is produced and directed by elliot lewis the hollywood radio theater theme was played by Ferranti and teicher and is now available on united artists records and tapes hugh douglas speaking Tune in Monday, and once again, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour.
4: This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.